Good morning, Lisa Garvin, Laura Johnston, Leila Tassi, and everybody who listens to Today in Ohio, the news podcast discussion from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. I'm Chris Quinn, and it's a Thursday. We've got stories to talk about. Let's get started. What's the grand vision for the campus district in Cleveland that would entail destroying a well-known historical building and have motorists on Interstate 90 going through kind of a tunnel? Lisa, fascinating proposal that dropped yesterday in a Steve Litt story. Yeah, this proposal comes from the Campus District Incorporated nonprofit. It's a CDC that represents the east part of downtown, like CSU, St. Vincent Charity Hospital, and Tri-C Metro Campus. So they unveiled a proposal right at the deadline for the county was asking for plans to redevelop the 1931 Juvenile Court building near East 22nd Street. So Campus District says tear it down and construct a green cap over the inner belt trench next to the East 22nd Street Bridge so that, you know, that's that's underground there and so the cap would go over it. They want to buy the old juvenile court building for a million dollars and then raise an additional two million to demolish it. And people are excited about this. I mean, there's a lot of support behind this. Destination Cleveland, Greater Cleveland Partnership, Mayor Bibb and Ward 5 Councilman, they're, they're all for this. They see it as as a way of opening up the central neighborhood and help mitigate some of the damage that was done by the Interbelt construction 70 years ago. Yeah, the, the highway really did do a lot of damage to city neighborhoods by bisecting the city. It's That building is a historic building. It, it's been, been there. Everybody who drives down I-90 eastbound sees it. And, and it's been rotting now for years since they left it. There are parts of it that are that are original, a lot of parts that aren't. I think I think people who care about historic buildings would hate to see it go. But this is such a dramatic plan to reconnect central to downtown that it's probably worth getting rid of the building. Yeah, and even as you know, uh, I don't have her name in front of me. I'm sorry, but someone who is for historic preservation said, "Well, you know, I get trying to save buildings, but what this could do, what this project could do for the neighborhood, is really kind of trumps all of that." And this dovetails with a lot of other plans that are going on in the area. Um, there's talk. There's going to be redevelopment of the Cedar Estates public housing complex right there on Cedar and East 22nd. And then um, ODOT is planning to revamp the inner belt at East 22nd. And there's a possibility for a future bike trail that would connect Slavic Village to these areas as well. So yeah, very intriguing. It'll be hugely expensive to put a land bridge over the highway there. Wouldn't it be nice if you could do that throughout all of downtown? Just just put that thing underground, restore the city to its natural state of, of being joined together. Just a, this would be a dramatic change that that I can't see any downside to except losing that building, and that's probably worth doing. None of you have been in that building, right? I'm no, the I've, only one I've that's been ever been in the in building, there. and I think... Yeah, I've been in too. Yeah, but... Really? Yeah, the I think when it was still a juvenile court is when I was in it. But the thing is, yeah, what it represents, you know, like it's a historic building. It is pretty, but like it represents like a, a you know period of of punishing children, and I it was a bad, it, you know, it, it didn't work. That's why they built a new one, which has its own problems. Like I don't like what it represents, and I think you're right. CSU butts up right against ninety and. Nobody wants to walk across that stretch, you know, with the the fences up. And if you could do a green cap, I think it would just 
open up and like breathe that area so much more. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I I mean, again, it's it's expensive beyond imagination to put something over the interstate. We're talking about doing the same thing uh, to connect downtown Cleveland to the lakefront. It, these are expensive projects, but it would be a boost to a neighborhood that needs it. So we'll have to see how the county responds to that. They want to use their millions of dollars to pump up the MedMart, not projects like this. It's Today in Ohio. Sports gambling won't start in Ohio until a little more than six months from now. What major step did Ohio take to make sure gambling can start on January 1st? Laura, we talked about all the reasons it's taking forever to launch sports gambling. So kind of interesting to see something actually happen, some concrete step. Yep, applications are open. So step right up and get yours, except they are very pricey to put in an application on. Uh, So there's three different types types providers of online betting platforms with those applications cost $150,000. If you want to open a physical casino style betting operation, that's called a sports book, which just does not compute in my mind of what that looks like. Um, those applications cost $20,000 <laughs> and then companies uh, that run the sports betting kiosks that'll appear in certain businesses with liquor licenses like bars, casinos, I'm uh, sorry, bars, restaurants, and bowling alleys can also apply And the Casino Control Commission is going to start sharing the list of applicants on Friday. So I guess we'll be able to see it grow in real time. There are a lot of limits. Uh, There are only up to uh, 40 statewide sportsbooks locations, and Cuyahoga County can get five of them. So it's not just like you're going to see these on every corner. How will they choose? The Ohio, um, the Casino Control Commission has the final say, I think. So... Uh, Some of them have already been approved, like the Cavs and Caesar Entertainment. They know they're going to get them uh, pending that state regulatory approval. The Ohio Lottery Commission also has some say, and they've got applications for businesses offering the sports betting options. So they have to approve. um, They've approved 555, including 13 in Cleveland, and that that still goes to the Casino Control Commission. So there's a two-step process. It'd be interesting to see who gets boxed out. Still a long way off, more than six months before people can gamble. But they will be able to gamble on the Browns when they are in the Super Bowl come And then they'll next have to winter. start building. It'll be interesting to see if these are standalone buildings or they just these sports books are just part of you know the casino and Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse or if we're going to see standalones. Well, what kills me about Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse is they give us the tour when they're doing it all up, and there's this big open space. They said, this will be for gatherings, and people can rent it. It was designed to be their sports gambling area, and that's exactly where it's going. They didn't tell us that when they were hitting up the public for subsidies for redoing the I don't know that that's arena. true. I don't know that that's true. I don't know if it's true. Now, that's where it's going to be. I don't know if that's true. We, Which is this? Like the, the high level with like the Budweiser, like... Yeah, we've reported that. That's where it's going to be. It's been reported. So if it's not true, we've gotten it wrong. It's today in Ohio. What's the point of Cleveland police agreeing to professional policing if little private police departments operating in the city can violate the rules that Cleveland officers adhere to? Which departments are not in compliance with the dictates of a consent decree that Cleveland police operate under? Layla, it kind of undermines the whole thing, right? If everybody doesn't follow the same rules, 
Why have the rules? Yeah, you're right. Well, so nine police departments uh, that are op- that operate within the city, including Cleveland State Universities and, and Cuyahoga Metropolitan Housing Authority, have these non-binding agreements with Cleveland that were formed in 2018, requiring those police departments to adopt similar or or more restrictive policies on use of force and vehicle pursuits. They they also have the same or they have to have the same or equivalent training as Cleveland officers in areas like use of force, crisis intervention bias-free policing, investigatory stops, searches and arrests. And they're supposed to be keeping up with Cleveland police for training and updates. But once Cleveland entered into these agreements, it seemed that the city never really followed up to make sure that they were being followed. It was sort of an out of sight, out of mind situation. So, so recently, the Cleveland Community Police Commission took it upon themselves to conduct this analysis of how well these departments were complying with those agreements. And they found that Case Western University's police unit was the only one of these nine departments that was found to be in full compliance. The other eight departments were in partial compliance. And most of the departments in partial compliance were only partially in compliance because of their failures to create civilian review boards. And these are the boards that are designed to review, investigate, and make findings when civilians file complaints against officers. So that's important stuff. I mean, failing to create a board like that is no small oversight, given all the the journalism that's been done around racial profiling and misconduct and, you know, and, and policing like, you know, in those jurisdictions, in fact, one of those stories about University Circle Police specifically is likely to haunt Chris Ronane in the Cuyahoga County Executives race. So it's uh, it's it's very interesting. Good story by Olivia Mitchell on, on the commission's analysis here. It gets back to the question of why there should be private police departments, because police are supposed to be accountable but if you're working for University Circle, University Circle is not accountable. And you're right. This is going to dog Chris Renane. He learned through a ProPublica investigation that 90% of the stops in University Circle were black people, which is ridiculous because that is not anywhere close to percentage of people driving through. So he claims he put steps in to fix it, and a year later, it was up to 95%. So clearly, this is a police department that is not adhering to the rules that Cleveland police are trying to adopt. The consent decree made Cleveland police a much better police department. It gave them more training, it gave them more equipment, but it also established very clear rules by which they operate under, and we have seen the results. But if you have all these little departments running around doing their own thing, what does that tell the the citizens? Right, right. And if you don't have those civilian review boards, almost none of those other policies matter. <laughs> Cuz if you how are you going to how are you going to vet how are you going to hear those complaints when 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 the po- other policies go when you, you go off the tracks with the other policies? How how are yeah. what recourse do civilians have if you don't have those boards set up? So Right. Zero accountability. The only I guess the only place that these little departments are accountable to are to Cleveland if it enforces the rules. But it just raises questions about why these are not security guards instead of police. They have full police and arrest powers. They're not accountable to taxpayers. And it's a it's a dangerous situation, as we've seen. It's today in Ohio. With Ohio's heavily gerrymandered legislative districts and the disproportionate representation in the legislature of far-right lawmakers, LGBTQ people feel under siege. 
So what did President Joe Biden do this week to protect LGBTQ people in Ohio and across the country? Lisa, it's interesting to see the president using his executive office to try and make some things right. Yeah, this is an executive order that directs all federal agencies to do what they can to protect LGBTQ families and children from a wave of anti- LGBTQ legislation being passed all over the country. There have been 300 such bills introduced in the last 12 months. Um, Some of this going on in Ohio. I mean, Ohio lawmakers have don't say gay legislation being considered right now to regulate lessons and curriculum on sexual orientation and gender identity. And then the ACLU here filed a lawsuit over a 2021 budget bill provision that allows health providers to deny care to LGBTQ patients based on their conscience. And then a bill just passed an, an amendment to a bill passed the House to ban transgender girls from participating in high school and college sports. Because So we've got those issues right here in Ohio. Um, And Biden is also going to host a Gay Pride Month reception at the White House later this month. And he's, you know, like I said, directing these various agencies like the Health and Human Services to do what they can to keep these families safe. Yeah, gerrymandering is a problem across the country, and it's resulting in fringe legislators instead of people who are more centrist, like most of the country, passing laws that pretty much people don't agree with. And so... Biden is offering some relief. He's also, I saw a story, he's talking about doing the same thing with abortion. He's trying to figure out how he can use executive orders to deal with the right to choose if the Supreme Court follows through very soon on removing its recognition of that as a constitutional right. We know Ohio is going to move very quickly to outlawed as soon as that happens. And this is really getting scary. I mean, if you look at the in, the incident in Kirtland, Ohio, where they arrested 31 people who looked like they were ready to rumble and disrupt a gay pride uh, celebration there, and you know, there's they a lot of these extremists have pivoted away from crit- critical race theory and pivoted towards attacking LGBTQ people. It's pretty scary. Yeah, it's scary. It's all of the kind of hate speech that came about during the presidency of Donald Trump. It spurred these groups. The January 6th hearings have shown that, that his calls have greatly increased the membership in these hate groups. It's Today in Ohio. How did an international scheme based in London to bilk old people out of cash through booze get brought down because of someone in Highland Heights? Laura, this is an, a kind of a wacky one, making your investment through Yeah, booze. I had never heard of this one. And just to be clear, a Highland Heights man, he's 89 years old, lost $300,000 in it. But a separate, unidentified Cuyahoga County man, we don't know where from, is the one who kind of brought this down because he was already in trouble with the law. And so he played the part to get them to come to Cleveland so that they could arrest the... Um, perpetrators of this scheme but yeah it's british scheme it targeted about 150 elderly people across the country and totaled 13 million dollars by promising big returns on investments in rare wine and whiskey so they would call old people and cold call them use fake names and british accent and promise huge games if gains if people invested in these rare wines and whiskey but nobody ever got their money back they were just paying it into a, a you know a black hole 
I, I, it, it's one of those schemes you think, if somebody called me with a British accent and said, hey, hey, I can double your money, buy whiskey, I, wouldn't you kind of sit back and go, okay, this, this sounds wacky to me. I'm not going to give my hundreds of thousands of dollars to somebody I don't know for a wacky scheme to make money right. off of whiskey. Well, you've got to be... You got to be skeptical in this world, right? Like I got an email this morning to asking me to like confirm a delivery of something and you look look where it's being sent and who it's addressed to and you're like, "Nope, that's not legit," right? So, that's why they prey on elderly people because they they might not be quite as sharp anymore and I don't know, they probably know a lot more about rare wine and whiskey than I do, so they probably sounded like knowledgeable about it and the Cuyahoga County man who worked on this he was already charged in a separate securities fraud case he acted like he was interested and got them to fly over and meet them so this isn't just like you know sending money over the phone they were really coming here to try to get quote unquote investors yeah I know they were coming here they were getting people to give them lots of money all for buying rare whiskey I just I mean, you could put like two kinds of whiskey on, in front of me, and I you could put a zillion kinds, and I wouldn't be able to tell you it's rare. So, good thing they didn't try to. Well, I, I just would have hung up, obviously. <laughs> right, any kind of cold call asking you to invest in something is automatic red flag, and so good for the Highland Heights guy for going to the police and ending this thing and stopping anybody else from getting built. What a strange one! I bet it was the British accent. Right, they can talk you in anything. Yeah, you know, I think people trust the British accent. They think it's like, he sounds so much more intelligent than, yeah. than your average American, you know, Midwestern twang. So so, so if I called you with my South Jersey accent and full bore, you, you probably wouldn't it. Yeah, right. Rare water. All right, you're listening to Today in Ohio. What is friend of felon and how is the man behind it trying to deal with a chronic issue, especially in Cleveland, involving convicted felons? Layla, a good news story. It is a good news story. Reporter Alexis Oatman tells us that in Ohio, one in five felons ends up committing a new crime within three years upon release and then returns to prison. And then when you factor in parole violations, you're talking about one in three felons returning to prison. And despite the programs that try to help the newly released reenter society, so much stands in their way. And in fact, you know, and, and this really blew my mind. More than 850 laws and sanctions are on the books in Ohio that limit job opportunities for Ohio. Iowans with felony convictions. So they're struggling to obtain professional licenses and decent jobs and and housing. So it's an impossible world for folks trying to start over after they leave uh, prison um, and, and they're trying, you know, after they've paid their debt to society. So, so Sterling Braden, who is 28 years old, and he's spent some time himself in prison on a felony conviction, conviction and he's faced uh, these challenges himself. He's invented this app called Friend of Felon. The point is to help those with felonies on their record find work and housing. And he has built this thing from scratch by watching YouTube videos. And it serves about a thousand people so far. It it helps users connect with employers and property owners who post listings and, and can create matches within seconds. Absolutely remarkable. Millennials saving the world. I can't believe he learned how to create an app from scratch by watching YouTube. I mean, 
Holy moly. I, I tried to learn how to frost a cake by watching YouTube. Don't ask me how it turned hey, out. Layla, that, <laughs> that story that Lucas wrote a little bit ago where, like, there was a nonprofit that was created to come up with an app for Cleveland. How many people did they have working and how much money did they spend? I know. I was thinking about it the app. same. Exactly. <laughs> this is, this has reached so this many guy. more people. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So he's our second major entrepreneur in Cleveland that's really doing something about felons returning. Brandon Kostowski, as we know, has built the whole industry over in the east side of Cleveland, training people in the restaurant business and in the butchering business and all sorts of things having to do with foodie culture. He's gotten a lot of recognition. And now we have a second guy who's really making a name for himself by helping returning felons. Which is huge in Cleveland. What is it? We get one out of five? Is that what it is, Layla? I think that's the stat. Is one out of five felons coming back into society is in Cleveland. I, I, yeah, I'm not exactly sure if that's it, but I know it is the preponderance of, of uh, the Cuyahoga County is is where most of the released uh, uh, felons return to after. And if they don't get a second chance, they're very likely to return to prison. I mean, it's in society's right. best interest to help Absolutely. them get back on their feet. So, I hope that this, right, this that this uh, that this guy's uh, invention um, garners some investment. There's something like this. Yeah. I mean, really high tech way to connect people. What a great idea! Yeah, it's a good story. Check it out on Cleveland.com. It's today in Ohio. Where do Ohio's two Senate candidates stand on the bipartisan gun control bill that Washington lawmakers have agreed to? Lisa, it's a shame to say this will surprise nobody. No, absolutely nobody. J.D. Vance was on the Breitbart News Daily podcast yesterday where he said he wouldn't vote for bipartisan gun control if he was elected. Um, He especially singled out red flag laws. He says that's giving a massive amount of power to federal and state governments. He also added that gun violence is, quote, tied to inner city urban crime. That's a dog whistle if I ever heard one. And he said this is a bad idea that will not make us safer. On the other hand, Tim Ryan, he was less loquacious about it. He did have a Sunday tweet saying that this was an historic step forward in protecting our kids and keeping communities safe. He also shows that this is what this is what's possible when partisan differences are set aside. Now, Ryan is kind of like a, you know, he's a kind of a blue collar Democrat in the old school. He previously was known as being Second Amendment friendly, but he's changed his tune over the years. And as we know, this this proposed legislation includes background checks for people under 21 wanting to buy a gun, penalties for trafficking guns and stolen guns, and also funding for states to pass red flag laws. And to close the boyfriend loophole as well. Yeah, J.D. Vance is going to do an entire campaign playing to the basest, most horrible instincts of people. I mean, he this is going already the most cynical campaign I think I've seen for a November ballot in a statewide race. He's just going to go there every time. The idea, this is a ridiculous amount of power. All, all, you're right. It's dog whistle stuff. He wants to play to white supremacists and racists. and It's just going to be horrible to watch this campaign play out. There is going to be no rational thought in what he does. He's, it's like Josh Mandel light. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Deshaun Watson appeared before reporters for the first time since March this week. What did he say, and what does some of our sports analysts think of it? 
And how about Condoleezza Rice? Laura, lots to talk about with Mr. Watson. Yes. So he says he's innocent. He's upholding that. He spoke on Tuesday. This was the first day of mandatory minicamp for the Browns. Says that he has never engaged in the sexual misconduct alleged in the 24 civil lawsuits against him by massage therapists. That's going to grow to 26 soon. He said, I've been honest and I've been truthful about my stance and that's never forced anyone. I never assaulted anyone. And he said, that's what I've been saying from the beginning and going to continue to do that. The only thing that's changed from when he talked in March is he did say it's tough on him to have to put up with this. And he is seeing therapists or getting help through the Browns organization. He said he has no regrets about anything he's done. And although he regrets the impact the ordeal has had around him. Yeah, Mary Kay Cabot, our chief Browns writer, pointed out that that was a major step for him to say he is seeking counseling because the last time he talked he said I didn't do anything wrong I don't need counseling but you know since then people are pointing out that he was looking for massage therapists on Instagram always getting a different one getting I forget the number 66 or something like that yeah yeah but the number per month or per week was high and as people are pointing out if you find a massage therapist you like you generally don't switch you stick with the massage therapist so there's a lot of details about it but on the other hand what what if he's telling the truth i mean (laughs) what do you do i mean if you if you really are telling the truth and that this is all put up job by the lawyer um what can you say what 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 else could a guy say except what he said i don't know (laughs) (laughs) Um. and then Condoleezza Rice is a huge Browns fan, and and every once in a while she rings out on the Browns. What does she have to say about this controversy? She says she's keeping an open mind until all the facts are evident. She knows the league is doing an investigation and the Browns, and she's waiting to see what the outcome is. She says she knows these are serious matters. Every woman feels that way and that she wants to get to the bottom of it, and she... I, I mean, she's saying a couple of months, but I, I can't see that anything will be wrapped up in a couple of months. These lawsuits aren't even going to go anywhere till March. So, um, yeah, I feel like this is a weird wait and see kind of feeling. We don't know what's going to happen with Watson if when if he's going to play. Um, his teammates are vouching for him. He took him to the Bahamas to for you know work and fun so he's doing what he can to kind of endear himself to the organization obviously we've talked about this before they're not backing down but um he still sounds a little tone deaf to me the the league uh is sounding more and more like it might make an interim decision that because the investigation won't be complete they have to make some kind of decision soon for the upcoming Mm -hmm. season so there might be a, a, a suspension that is temporary until they can figure it out but he's likely not to play this year apparently yesterday on a cleveland radio sports call-in show the fans were all pretty much unified in saying he should be fined he shouldn't be suspended for games so talk about tone right well i was at a thing last night and um the center for the browns was there and you know there was a lot of browns talk and everybody was cheering and i was just like waiting like is somebody gonna boo but there's no booing so Layla. I'd like to know who's handling his massage needs right now. You know? <laughs> I, I mean, uh, if, if, why hasn't he all along, why, why, why has he always turned to, to women for, for the, if he has no problem, if this isn't like a, a, uh, you know, a, a predator kind of relationship, why hasn't he had men doing his massage? 
Why has it always been women? 26 women. Well, 66. I mean, according to the New York Times, it's 66 well, women. That he, there and, isn't a single man I, in the mix? And it's just odd that you would be looking for your massage therapist on Instagram. Yeah, right. Well, well and, and there there's, there's your question. In the industry. <laughs> and, and why? why go, ahead. Not a, go ahead, Lisa, please. No, th- that's the question. Okay, does a legit massage therapist, and I'm going out on a limb, do legit massage therapists advertise on Instagram? Just throwing that question out there. Yeah, I don't I don't quite know how he searched for them. I it just it's it's one of the oddest things that that of this case. And and again, a different one every time. I, that that's not kind of normal. It's it's so I don't know. We'll see. The the league is going to have to make a decision soon and we will surely be talking about this story again. It's today in Ohio. That wraps up a Thursday. Thanks, Laura, Layla, Lisa. Thanks, everybody who listens. We'll be back tomorrow to wrap up a week of news.